DiscerningHearts.com presents Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. Deacon Gutierrez studied theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville and at the Angelicum in Rome. He holds a master's degree in theology from the University of Dallas. He has worked for the church in various capacities, including as a teacher and administrator, and is currently on the faculty of the School of Faith. His expertise includes Catholic social teaching, and his writings on the subject have appeared in several national Catholic newspapers and periodicals. He's the author of The Urging of Christ's Love, The Saints, and The Social Teaching of the Catholic Church. Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Omar. Thanks, Chris. Good to be back. Can't wait to talk about John Paul II. <laughs> That's right. He's our papa in a very real way, isn't he? He really is. Uh, for, for me, certainly, I grew up with the man. I grew up knowing him as my pope. He shaped how I understood the church, how I understood being Catholic, and did that for so many of us. Uh, his influence on in the church, I think, will hopefully, but in my sense, certainly garner him the title of Pope John Paul the Great. He was the Pope that came in through my teen years. Mm. And watching his enthusiasm and excitement, here I am, a junior in high school, traveling around the world and, and eventually coming to America. Oh, so many yeah. would say he is the Pope of the young. Well, I was one of those young. That's right. Well, yeah, I was in high school when he came to Denver, and uh, I just graduated. And what was so fantastic for me to see and think for everybody to see was the the great, deep, passionate love he had for the youth. Even at the very end, you know, I get goosebumps thinking about it now, he was still listening and hearing and thinking of the youth as he was dying. Um, he he cared so much for the young in a in a world that really uses the youth. Uses We use our young people to help buy things and to help form ideas and things. He loved them for who they were, regardless of what they had, how much money they had, what they could do, what they looked like. He just loved you, and you knew that. And so as a young person, Denver or wherever, those those World Youth Days, they're such a, a beautiful thing because the, the youth of the world f- feel that they're loved for who they are and, and not for any other reason. Carol Wotia, the man would become an orphan, mm-hmm. essentially, with no family That's left right. after his, his beloved father died. Yeah. And yet his funeral was probably the most widely attended funeral ever. And In I'm not history. just talking about yeah. the people that were no. there. I mean, just... Uh, television and radio and everywhere he had world leaders you had the middle eastern leaders shaking hands with (laughs) george bush and condoleezza rice at the sign of peace yes it was extraordinary it really was people willing to to suffer three days without shelter or regular food or anything else in rome just to be just to be there just to be near him and his body and his passing be there for the moment and show their solidarity with him. And speaking of solidarity, that was one of the great gifts he gave to the church, an understanding of what solidarity really means. There are many who would say that the collapse of the Berlin Wall, the collapse Mm. of that, the Iron Curtain 
that I grew up with. Yeah, I mean, right, we exactly. Had, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we had no expectation except that it would one day, we would have a nuclear conflict yeah. with Russia. Yeah. And that it would end so horribly. Many attribute that collapse to the work of President Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. and Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. but you cannot negate the influence of no. Pope John Paul II. No, and those other two recognized that publicly, uh, of that great influence, and uh, Gorbachev himself recognized that great influence. And if there's uh, anything we can say, you know, the, the Vatican has the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace, and, and justice and peace often go together, thanks in large part to Pope Paul VI, who, who said, if you want to really seek peace, seek justice, what an, what an ambassador of peace John Paul II was. When we think about what happened there, we had this Cold War. People were on the verge of wiping out entire civilizations, maybe the whole world, the spies, the, the killings, the wars, the invasions, all the things that happened at that time that you and I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And it all came to an end basically peacefully. There was no great... Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That, I don't know mm-hmm. that that's ever happened before. Mm-hmm. And that was in part because of the influence of John Paul II. The great love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's right. Exactly mm. right. That M was there because of his love for Mary, who was his mother. He had lost his mother when he was very young, and he took Our Lady up as his own true mother and treated her like a true mother. Many, many teachings flowed from his giftedness and mm. the fruits of that pontificate. In, whether it's theology of the body, which is going to yeah, probably take a century right. or more to unpack, yeah, that's right. down to just his great devotions and loves for the mystics mm. and contemplative and deep prayer. Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. my goodness. There's so much there that needs to be unpacked yet. His gift to us in the area of social teaching mm-hmm. and love for Christ and love for our neighbor, mm-hmm. that... I don't know if that really has been touched as deeply as it, it, it needs to be. I don't think so either. And I, I think that's one of those areas where I think we do disservice to his memory if we don't do this, because he really cared passionately for the social teaching of the church. The compendium of the social doctrine of the church, which came out in 2005, mm-hmm. was, was called for by John Paul II. He wanted something. He wanted a compendium just for the social doctrine to make it easier for lay people to live out the social doctrine in the real world. And he saw all those efforts in Veritati Splendor and, and, uh, and, and uh, Evangelium Vitae, these, these great encyclicals on the, uh, moral theology. He felt that part and parcel of that moral training and theology was the social doctrine. It is a branch of moral theology. He was a moral theologian and an ethicist and a philosopher. So the social teaching is absolutely central to his larger vision for how we live out the Catholic faith in life. One can even say that the theology of the body that he gave us was an aspect of the social teaching because it touches on how we can live, integrate the principles of fundamental human dignity and the other great principles of social teaching in our lives with our spouses, in our lives with our loved ones, in our lives in conformity with the dignity that is our bodies and, and, and those we care for. Where do we begin, Omar? <laughs> I, right. I, I, where can we possibly start? Well, one place to start, I think, is uh, maybe right at the beginning. After he became the Pope in 1978, he had a synod of bishops to come together to talk about the catechesis. This is 13 years after the close of the Second Vatican Council. There were still a lot of questions <laughs> to be asked. And 
the question amongst the Synod of Bishops was, what is catechesis in our time going to look like? What, what should we say to the world after this great council? What do we say to the world? And after the Synod, he came out with a document called Catechesi Tridende, or On Catechesis in Our Time, mm-hmm. uh, about this. And uh, about halfway through that document, he says, you know, we can't forget three, there are three things that absolutely must be part of catechesis in our time. The first thing he said is we have to emphasize the divinity of Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus was God. He wasn't just some sage. He wasn't just some guy, some wise fellow who wasn't another Buddha or whatever. He was God. And that's, that has huge ramifications. That was the first thing. The second thing John Paul II says, and on catechesis in our time, he says the church is the mediator of Christ to us. So it's not just a me and Jesus game. It's, it's my relationship with Christ in the context of the church that he founded, Christ founded. Mm-hmm. So that's the second thing. The third thing he said is social teaching must be part of the general catechetical education of the faithful. The general catechetical education, not a specialized field, right? not an elective, but something all of us must have as part of our education for our catechesis. Right from the beginning of his pontificate, he makes it absolutely clear to us, we need the social teaching. Can we emphasize the must? Yeah, <laughs> Too much. Yes. No, we can. And um, Pope Benedict XVI has said similar things. It's foundational. It's fundamental to our formation. It's necessary. He, all those words have been used. This is why we're doing this series, to help unpack some of this so that we can make it a little bit more accessible to the average layperson so, so that we can begin to do just this. Um, to, 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 to unpack it so that people can make it part of their general catechetical education. It's the overall formation of who we are. And, and that's, I think, why, if you'll forgive me for putting this in here, but I think that's the, the movement for discerning hearts. Mm, yes, uh, yeah. The being able not only to learn how to go deeper in our prayer life, to be able to discern what it is the Father is calling us to do, but using the great gift of that social teaching, how to interact in the social body, yes. in the, the community, how do we express Christ, the person we've encountered, and take him out into the world. The three are so important. They're so tied together. Exactly. It's, it's another wonderful example of the great both and that part of one of the themes I hope people sort of pick up after from, with these episodes is that the, we understand that this is not just this is not action for the sake of action. We're not advocating people going out and changing the world and un- untying social injustice and all that stuff for the sake of doing that. The social justice action that a Christian takes has to come out of that relationship with Christ that one discerns. Right? That, mm-hmm. That's why it starts with discernment in relationship with Christ and his church, in the context of his church, and then goes out to action. Otherwise, you're prone to doing things that have nothing to do with your own prayer life or wherever God wants you to be. That's right. And the, our great patron, again, is Blessed John Paul II. Exactly right. Talk to us about some important social encyclicals, yeah. uh, bodies of work that we should, we must be, we aware, must of. be aware of. Yes, well, uh, John Paul II um, uh, gave us three, more than any other singular pope. He gave us three social doctrine documents. The first one came in 1981. It was called Laborum Exerces, or On Human Labor. And it's on the 90th anniversary of Rerum Novarum, and it sort of picks up that original theme of the social teaching. Rerum Novarum was on capital and labor, really addressing these questions of how do we react as Christians in this new industrial age. So, you know, 90 years later, John Paul II takes up that same theme 
uh, in laborum exergens. But it's 1981, so keep in mind that the, just the previous year, the Solidarity Movement in Poland had, had started. So the first non-government-owned union had started in the Gdansk shipyards in Poland, his own homeland. So this encyclical, encyclical comes out as a way to, yes, advance the social teaching of the church, but also as a sign of his own solidarity with his confreres back in Poland who are, who are defending fundamental human dignity against the communist regime there. We'll return to Regnum Novum with Omar Gutierrez in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Memorari. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. If you have been blessed in some way by the spiritual nourishment and teachings offered freely by all those involved with Discerning Hearts programs, please consider a positive review for the various programs on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This is a great way to help the ministry and is an encouragement to others who are seeking the best in spiritual formation to find and check out the programs. Won't you please help? It's an easy way to help give back and to be a part of the mission. Thank you, and God bless from all at Discerning Hearts. We now return to Regnum Novum with Omar Gutierrez. It strikes me as I'm listening to you that need for us to appreciate about man's labor and how we mm. work it out. When you go back to Genesis, yeah. <laughs> immediately following the fall, and that's the, the nature in which we, we find ourselves in, even though in our baptism we do have the life of Christ within us, we are still darkened until that great day when we can see him face to face. So p- part of man's labor is a part of our nature. So knowing how to navigate in labor yeah. is a must. Absolutely. I, I, the, you're starting exactly where John Paul II started. I mean, that, that this uh, document on labor is a reflection, a meditation, really, that he, he took upon himself on the nature of labor. And he starts with Genesis, that labor is part of what we are, who we are. I mean, we, we certainly think about the, the, the bad effects of labor as being a punishment for sin, but work itself is not part of the fall. 
work itself was part of who we really are. That work was part of what was, Adam was invited to, right? And the work of the garden, and tending the garden and caring. Uh, work was part of the, the, the naming of the animals. Work was part of our very human natures. And so as we approach labor, work, regardless of what that labor might be, we are being invited by John Paul II to uh, understand that we can connect that labor to greater, higher spiritual things, a spiritual reality, a call, a participation in God's creative activity. Think about that, everyone. It's not as though the other realms of the heavenly kingdom aren't working. Right. <laughs> I, right. I look at the angels. They work. Yeah. They watch our, from our guardian angel all the way to the great worship of the seraphim. I mean, yes. it is. There's work. There's work in the communion of saints. Yes. I mean, who isn't keeping St. Therese busy these days? <laughs> That's a great story about Mother Teresa, who when visiting a, a homeless shelter in New York, uh, was confronted when someone said, Oh, Mother, wherever you go, you bring so much peace. And she responded by saying, I bring a lot of work. <laughs> and that's true because the, the Christian life is a lot of work. And we tend to maybe play that down. But we're invited by John Paul II, by the social teaching of the church, to look at that work as, as an opportunity for us to work out our own salvation, an opportunity for us to develop our very human selves. When we turn our labor over to Christ, and if it's particularly difficult labor, certainly connecting that labor with his sufferings on the cross, then we, we all of a sudden enter into a spirituality of labor that allows us to, to go deeper into relationship with Christ, understand his suffering even that much more, so that we can transform it and, and grow in our relationship with Christ exactly in the labor that we're, we're doing. The only way to really make that palatable for us is prayer. Yeah, exactly. You have to be united with him and then discerning continuously yes. your actions. Yes, constantly. Which so, so that we understand, uh, just to have to be absolutely clear here, nothing, no work is menial enough to allow us to disconnect it from prayer, to think that, oh, God's not interested in this labor, God's not interested in that work, or this work isn't important, I shouldn't be giving this over. Every The, the, the dish that is washed, the diaper that's changed, the the screw that is turned on the factory line, every single thing, the mop that's put, all of it, all of it can be given over to God. And God wants all of it because it's an opportunity for us to engage in, as John Paul II says in the document, engage in the creative activity of God in the world that he started in Genesis. Mm. The next document would be? The next document is a document called uh, Solicituro Rei Socialis, or On Social Concerns. And this comes out on the 20th anniversary of Popolo and Progressio from Pope Paul VI. So it's 1987. So it's 1987. And it comes on the heels of a very difficult time, if you will, especially in Latin America with liberation theology that's come out. Popolo and Progressio came out, Paul VI, and he was addressing a great many things and really uh, coined that term of development instead of progress, development of the whole person and every person. Uh, what Pope John Paul II is trying to do is draw out some of those themes, particularly of development, uh, and particularly on solidarity. It's in this document on social concern that John Paul II lays out this, what is really the definition for solidarity in our time, which is not just a, a vague feeling of compassion we might have for somebody else, although that's fine. But as John Paul II says, it's a firm, determined commitment to work for the common good for everyone because, he says, we are all really responsible for all. So first, it's a firm, determined commitment. That's, that's the same language we use 
for love. Right? It's a choice. It's a, it's a firm choice. It's not just a feeling. It's a choice that we make in favor for our brothers and sisters, wherever that might be, because we are all really responsible for all. And that's the great teaching that he gives us. And I think it also needs to be noted at this point, too, that that emphasis on prayer can be overemphasized. Yeah. Because this is the same man who wrote for his doctorate, essentially, it was based on the faith according to St. John of the Cross. Yes. I mean, the great Carmelite mystical doctor in his depth of prayer. How is that the faith expressed through this incredible experience of God in the depth of contemplative prayer? So just once again, to anchor all of this uh, teaching in in that encounter with Christ Jesus. Exactly. And, and it should be fruitful and real activity within our own lives. Um, uh, one of the great things in, in Laborum Exercens and in, in On Social Concerns uh, is his call for us to take that deep-rootedness. And I, that dissertation on, on St. John of the Cross is a perfect example. Take that deep-rootedness in a contemplative relationship and, and prayer life, but allow it to tra- transform the stuff that we do, you know, the other aspects of our lives. So that he talks about in the virtue of industriousness and in laborum exercens, that it's good for us to to be efficient in our work and to want to work and to want to do a good job and all those things. But that comes as a fruit of first that deep prayer life. Mm. The third piece would be the third document he gives us from 1991 on the hundredth anniversary of Rome Novarum is aptly called Centesimus Annus on the hundredth anniversary of Rome Novarum. And this, this one is really a tour de force. It is a presentation, a sort of summing up of what the church has said in social doctrine for the past 100 years. And he covers the gamut on a whole host of issues. But and we, mentioned, we mentioned this at the very top of this episode. It's coming from, from, this very, from the lived reality of the Cold War is now over. Communism has essentially failed. The great hope of, of Lenin and Marx has now disappeared. And certainly today, as we're listening, we still have communist countries out there and it's not entirely gone. But I'm sure many listeners will remember that this was communism was supposed to be that great new thing, right? And now it's completely collapsed and we see the horrors of Soviet Russia as it began to open up, of all the horrible things that happened there, that it all fell. And so the, the grand question that John Paul II was trying to answer, one of them in Gentesimusanus was, what do we say about communism? What do we about socialism? And what does this mean about the free market and so and capitalism? And like previous popes, uh, he said an unbridled capitalism is dangerous. An unbridled capitalism tends to uh, focus too much on the individual and my own personal wants and needs and ignores solidarity. But he did also make it very clear that the free market was good. Mm-hmm. A free market could provide right what was necessary for society to advance and gave us the opportunity. To, to do the work for the poor that, that Christians are called to, to do. The remedy for it to remain a good would be that continued practice of virtue. Because even though, forgive me the analogy if it's a poor one, but cancer removed from a body can still be deadly if the, even a few cells remain. Yeah. And that we kind of see that manifesting itself in the world today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, the, the cure there is virtue. And this is something John Paul II mentioned so many times over and over again. 
he was a moral theologian. He was an ethicist uh, before he became pope. He was a man who deeply understood human nature, and uh, and he knew that in order to help transform the world, you needed virtuous moral people. Why were we created to know him, to love him, to serve him, and to be happy with him forever Amen. in heaven? And if I am created that way and for that purpose, so are you yes. and you and you and you. So each of you should be able to be nurtured as the unique gifts. Exactly. And that's from that, that's what ultimately is the motivating principle of all Catholic social teaching. Absolutely. It, it is. Uh, that, that we all have this within, we all have this capacity within us that Christ is calling forward from us. We're all brothers and sisters, and that there's that solidarity comes from, but it also requires participation, industriousness, work, and labor. And this is one of the reasons, actually, that after Centesimus Annus came out, one of the hopes from John Paul II was that the bishops of the world to whom he, to whom he was writing, because encyclical letters are addressed first to bishops, that the bishops of the world will, would take up his call in Centesimus Annus to increase the formation and the social teaching amongst the laity. And it didn't happen. <laughs> It just didn't happen, which was in part, you know, why, again, he's calling for the compendium of the social doctrine of the church, but it's also why he founded his own organization. He founded an organization called Centesimus Annus Pro Pontifice, a separate organization directly connected with him, with the pontificate, with the Holy Father itself, not with the, the congregation of the doctrine and faith and not with the Council of Justice and Peace, but with the Pope. This was an effort of the Pope made up by lay people right, to help spread the word of the social teaching of the church. And it's named after Centesimus Annus. And uh, again, I think part, we can't not mention Our Lady, I think that's part of what we learn from her as well, as she was a woman who first understood who she was in her identity as the handmaid of the Lord, someone who pondered these things quietly in her heart, who, who discerned, who meditated, who prayed, but then allowed that to pour out in activity so that when the when the offer was given to her by the angel Gabriel, she just naturally said, I am the handmaid of the Lord, and then yes, be it done unto me. And that's the model we're supposed to be using as well. You found yourself in that great commandment to love, that the life of love, that every day, and then so that we can respond, yes, when Christ calls. You don't think you can do it? You don't think you can become a saint and that that's not your universal call? Blessed John Paul II said, no, 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 because look at all these thousands of <laughs> yes. men and women who could Excellent do it. Excellent point. Excellent point. And that was another part. Again, the saints are part and parcel of the social teaching as well because we learn from them how it's actually done. They are just like us. Dorothy Day has that great line, you know, don't call me a saint. I don't want to be dismissed so easily. And it's a nice little line. But what she was trying to tell us is sometimes we have this habit as people of dismissing the saints as well course they're saying i can't possibly do that no 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 we can all do that if we follow the formula that the mother church has given us if we take the example of our lady or any of the various saints there is a saint a saint who has been in your situation right now i guarantee you and that saint still made it and so can you the list from the unbelievable number of martyrs mm. and companions i mean whether you're the from the crystal ray wars yeah those just those heroic men and women from the the Spanish Civil War, yeah. the the martyrs from the from China, from Vietnam, 
those groups, all those companions. Yes, I that's mean, right. I pray to God that someday, if at the very least, I can be a companion. That's right. Yeah, so know? and so, and companions. <laughs> yeah, so if I can be a member of and companions, <laughs> that would be just such a blessing. But also those individuals, whether mm. you're Pierre Giorgio Frassati oh, yeah. or you're oh the Saint Jean Bretamola, the great oh, mama, my goodness, you know, yeah. I mean, the who sacrifice yourself or or even the little ones that we may not be aware of mm. that he wanted us to know that the communion of saints there they are the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on as yeah. from hebrews yeah and they're still here i mean one of the things we always hear i hear a lot is about people saying well now how come we don't see miracles anymore how come we don't see all these saints it's like we do they're there mm-hmm. they're there and john paul ii spent so much of his time to show us that so that we could live out this this Catholic Christian life in its in its fullness. He brought us Tourette's. Yeah, that's right. As a great doctor. Yes, that's of true. Of the church, she a Carmelite. That's right. You know, it's the little way. Yeah, that's right. So that again, we go back to that man who had no family and yet mm. had the most tremendous uh, funeral, a great sending off of love. That's right. Sanctus, sanctus. You know. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts? Uh, just that John Paul II, who's um, who will, who's hopefully, you know, blessed Pope John Paul II will probably be a saint, and the great John Paul II loves you. Uh, he knows you, he loves you, and he wants you to take charge of your life as a Catholic and live the heroic life and, and be a saint. And, and part of that path is by forming yourself in the social teaching of the Church. Mm. Blessed John Paul II. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Omar. You're welcome. You've been listening to Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Regnum Novum, bringing forth the new evangelization through Catholic social teaching with Deacon Omar Gutierrez.